All right, everybody, welcome back to Always To There Are, a Star Wars discussion podcast. I am Josiah, here with my co-host, Steven. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey to all the listeners that That we can't see. They are real. They're very real. Um, We definitely have listeners. This isn't just two guys talking to themselves. Anyway, this episode, we are jumping back into our Fixing Star Wars conversation. Uh, We are just about to get into... Fan interactions. Fan interactions and where Disney went wrong and how Steven thinks they can do better. Enjoy. So the the next big thing is when Disney took over Star Wars, they did certain things that were highly unpopular. They made the sequel trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, beyond that, they they, they made Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> I'm Star kidding. Wars Rebels is good. I'm kidding. The uh, last two seasons were. The first two seasons were very, like, Disney kids. When they dialed back the Disney meter and turned up the Clone Wars meter, it got great. It did. Uh, so, the... They... Decanonize the whole EU. Oh, that was such a bad move. It was. Oh, um, but then I understand why they did it because they want to write these original stories, right? But when I heard about that, I hadn't read a single ounce of the extended universe. Uh, what really the only piece of that that I actually got really angry about was Star Wars: The Force Unleashed and the fact that Star Killer Vader's secret apprentice had been officially decanonized. Right. I was so upset because that is it's such a great story. It is. It really is. And and that's not even that is the like the the tip of the iceberg. The like the smallest tip of the iceberg as far as Star Wars EU and what they fully decanonized they, in a snap of a finger. They decanonized Thrawn. For for a time. For a time. And for then a time. the the fan base was actually so vocal about Thrawn being decanonized, that's Big reason why they brought him back in Rebels. Why Dave Filoni? Dave Filoni. I'm sorry. Our savior. I'm sorry. Dave the chosen Filoni, one. The, chosen the chosen one. So <laughs> to bring they, balance to the force. It, it, one of the real irksome things about this is that Kathleen Kennedy had her famous line back around like the production of the Last Jedi during their big media tour. I think it was that was when it was, but she was talking about the writing of the sequel trilogy and the production of it and like storyboarding and all that. And she said like, we have no source material to go off of. We have to make it up as we go. And it's just like, what do you mean? You have literally tens of thousands of pages of comics and novels. And while you might've decanonized it, you can at least go back and pull from it as a source of inspiration. Hashtag the MCU. So, yeah, like, you don't have to just pretend it doesn't exist. Mm. And it it, it seems like they're starting, because of Filoni and Favreau, they're starting to go back to the EU much more frequently. Oh, yeah. To pull their inspiration. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is great. It's a good indicator. We're going to get an direction. entire show about Ahsoka and Thrawn and Ezra Bridger. And yes. Ahsoka was always canon, though. <laughs> um, yeah, but Thrawn, Thrawn wasn't decanonized. He's now recanonized. And okay, Jay, random tidbit. 
who do you think should play Thrawn in live action Star Wars? Benedict Cumberbatch. I would. I have also thought Benedict from the day I knew he was going to be in live action. Before I had oh, even no. watched Rebels, I have a better one. I said Benedict Cumberbatch should play nope. him. I have a better one. I doubt it. Raph Fiends. He plays some of. I the... know. I know who you're talking about. I still think Benedict Cumberbatch. I think in our day and age, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you ever seen Schindler's List? I have seen Harry Potter. Raph Fiends plays the commandant of the concentration camp in Schindler's List, and he is like the most bone chilling villain. Yeah, in yeah. recent cinema, I've history. heard. I've heard he's great. I love him. Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, in our day and age, is one of the greatest greatest actors of our time. He is an ama- He's one of the best out there. But I think he really just has more, uh, like recent. This is this is valid than Raphines, but this is valid. But Raphines, I think Benedict Cumberbatch. He has the build. He has all they would have to do is paint his face blue. He has the build. He oh man, I he would. He does have a very similar facial. Structure, I would love. I, think, I would love to see Benedict Cumberbatch. Anyway, that's completely beside the I point. I think Raphines has um, the uh, the cold, steely gaze, and that because he's already played the fascist villain. Yeah, and. I think if he he could kind of revisit that role to draw inspiration from, I think he could do a fantastic throne. Oh yeah, um, and we're back. <laughs> Decanonize so, Star Wars. I was about to throw another tangent in there and talk about someone else to see if to fan cast some live action, but we need to, we need to get back into the how to fix Star Wars. And you know, going off of this. Thrawn or what we were talking about before? The the decanonization of Star Wars. Okay. I I really think if if I were the one in charge, if I were the one re-envisioning Disney Star Wars, I would just straight up make a PSA and say, hey, the entire sequel trilogy era, which they refer to as the Age of Resistance, is is now an alternate timeline. And it is defunct. So we will not revisit it. We will not produce new content in it. We will not... It, it, it's still canon. It's just we will not be doing any more stories, any more movies within that time frame and within that lore context. I don't think they even need to do anything. They just kind of just leave it where it's at and not touch it again. I agree. But I think the, the statement... That we're going to go, I think that would reassure a lot of people. It would, but that is impossible. You are asking a multi-billion dollar corporation to say, (laughs) hey, we messed up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I am. But but the thing is... Calling you out, Disney. That's what... All the fans that don't like current Disney Star Wars, that's what they want. They want a down-to-earth acknowledgement that, like, we didn't produce the best Star Wars we're going to do better or we're going to try to do better. Like that's honestly what a lot of them want. And I think if Disney did that, it would go a long way towards kind of like stabilizing the fan base. Uh, and I've told you, I've talked to you about this before. Uh, the, 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 the Filoni saves theory, at least that's how I refer to it. So the, the Filoni saves kind of remind you of what it is. The Filoni saves. I mean, explain theory. it to the listeners, because I know what it is, 
but those listening. Do you don't. remember in full? I I wouldn't say in full, but okay. I can give you a quick. Uh, so Ahsoka not dead. Boom! There you go. So essentially, in, in Rebels <laughs> season, I think it was the end of season Four. two. Ahsoka oh, has. Oh wait, no, you're right. She has a duel with Vader in a location where she's trapped. It's in a Sith temple. The temple is closing in, like Indiana Jones style, where she'll be trapped in the treasure chamber. Dun, 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 and dun. it was always assumed after that that she, because there's no escape, one of them dies and one of them walks out of the duel. And it's clearly Vader because he's in the movies that come after. So... People are like, oh, this is how Ahsoka dies. And I think most people were pretty okay with it. Like, they're like, oh, that's a, a fitting end to a good character. She, she... I, th- I, think, I think Vader killing her is the only way. It, 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 it solidifies Vader as a, a pure evil villain. It does. And it is, it is the only great way for Ahsoka to die. It, yeah, I agree. It does absolutely solidify him as a pure evil villain. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially after you've seen Clone yep. Wars. Uh, so, the theory is is that season four of Rebels, yep. there's a thing introduced called the Bridge Between Worlds. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of like an interspatial dimension of portals that lead to the main universe throughout all, of the, throughout all time. So, Ezra manages to go into this World Between Worlds. Thank is, you, Wolves walking around these like walkways these catwalks that are just in a big black void and they're like circular doorway portal things when you walk up to one it shimmers and you can see where it leads and it's somewhere at some time and he walks up to one you kind of guess you kind of know what you're getting into when you walk up to a portal because he he walks to one and it is showing it when you look through it you can see ahsoka dueling vader and so he reaches in and he pulls her out yeah and so he pulls right before vader delivers the death blow he pulls her into this world the space between worlds and that's how she escapes an inescapable room and survives the duel with vader so there's a theory there's two things ezra does this and he doesn't do it in the timeline where he does not do this, Ahsoka dies, which means she cannot be there in Mandalorian Season 2 to tell Din Djarin, take Grogu to Tython so he can use the Force to contact somebody to come collect him and train him. In that event, Luke never gets this Force call from Grogu, doesn't get Grogu at the end of Season 2, and therefore, Luke's first apprentice is is Ben Solo. Luke isn't. Mm-mm-mm. Luke's first apprentice is Leia. So says Episode Nine. Is that not EU as well? It, if it's part of EU, it was decanonized. I have no, no, I know, I know. But is she not his first apprentice across? Is that not just understood as Star Wars that that she is his first apprentice? I I guess. Anyway, but continue. as far as like his yeah, yeah, rebuilt yeah, Jedi yeah, Academy, yeah, yeah, it yeah, starts yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Ben Solo. <laughs> Are you done with the yes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It it starts with Ben Solo. He's inexperienced, and thus he fails mm-hmm. in in training. And we get the sequel trilogy where Ben becomes Kylo Ren. 
He empowers the First Order, and we know the rest. In the event where Ahsoka lives, she tells Dinjarin, take Grogu to Tython, Luke collects Grogu, and Luke begins his experience as a master with Grogu, makes mistakes, learns from them. Also much earlier. Much earlier, yes. And then when he gets to Ben, he's a much better teacher, and he doesn't repeat the mistakes we see in The Last Jedi. Well, I mean, theoretically, because in Book of Boba Fett, it's kind of worrying because it looks like yeah. Luke is just repeating the yeah. same old mistakes. Yeah. So uh, I'll, see, I'll get to that in one of our sec. previous episodes. <laughs> so, and in this Where Ahsoka Lives timeline, it Luke is a good teacher and does not fail Ben. So Ben does not turn into Kylo Ren and the First Order remains an insignificant Imperial remnant. I think I think in this alternate timeline, Rey is a Sith then. I think she just remains a nobody on Jakku. Or Palpatine finds her and makes her a Sith. Well, in this, uh, I think part of the Grogu story is that it's his blood that's needed in order for Palpatine to complete his cloning experiments with Snoke and all that. I think Mm. that's where that's headed or where it's intended to head. That's my, that's my assumption. That's my theory. That's, that's Uh, valid. So without, so without Grogu, without Ben falling to the dark side, the Imperial Remnant gets a much weaker, or the First Order gets a much weaker Snoke and they don't become a big power like they are in the movies. And then we have ourselves a new timeline that's not the sequel trilogy. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, I think that's not where it's heading after <laughs> the uh, the Grogu episode of Book of Boba Fett. Uh, it was I when I saw that episode, I got a little concerned. I was like, "Ooh, this does not bode well for that theory." Oh well. <laughs> uh, that you know, that's I think that's it that I've got for like a, how to how to approach Star Wars is. It's not the MCU. You gotta defunct the sequel trilogy and start afresh, and and then uh, you gotta depoliticize the to to a to an understandable degree. Yeah, it, it can't be. Oh, you have to like de overtly politicize Star Wars. It's not about not. It's not about not sending a message. It is about sending a message with tact. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Um, oh, the one last thing on, on this kind of part of it is, this one's real short. It, it, you, you got, so I, I mentioned earlier the, uh, the, the, they got rid of the EU and then Kathleen's like, we don't have source material. It's, I think a great idea, especially for the writing staff is to have like a dedicated space somewhere in the office. That's nothing but the game's the books and the comics that your writing staff can get up, get up from their desk, go into the fun room, sit down and read a bunch of comics or just play star Wars force unleashed back to back over and over. Yes. It, it, just so that they can get the inspiration to create something new or they can go, this was a really cool story. What happens next? Or, you know, I, I like the, the, the time frame of this one. What else is going on in the galaxy at this point in time? Because, uh, you know, Star Wars, 
that the Republic's history is 25,000 years. That is a lot of room. And there's even stuff before the Republic. Uh, so there's so much space and time within the Star Wars universe to, to write new stories. And uh, I think Visions is a good example of this. It's Star Wars that is not tied down to one of the pre-existing eras. It, it kind of is, but the but it's understood that these are like alternate timelines. These are kind of what if scenarios, Al- alternate universes, not a, not alternate timelines. There's a difference because the the laws of the the laws of the universe obviously work different in the dip- different episodes of Visions. That's true. They do tend. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. Mm. Um. So and the best one is definitely the one inspired by Kurosawa's samurai movies. Continue. I don't know. I really like the elder. The elder was pretty good too. I know he's just a cool Sith character. Um. So then the next big thing is like how Disney interacts with the fans. There was especially with uh, the Last Jedi. There was way too much egging on of the fans that didn't like the movie from Ryan Johnson. There was um, the kind of like Lucasfilm's like chief of storyboarding and like story content, Pablo Hidalgo. He made some pretty unprofessional, to put it lightly, comments about one of the biggest Star Wars YouTubers and his reaction to the Luke scene at the end of Mando season two. And it's just this, this kind of air of disrespect that certain individuals at Lucasfilm seem to have for the star Wars fans that don't like their content. And it's just like, it's to me, it's, it comes off as a very childish way to behave. You know, if I, if I made a dinner and you go, Ooh, I didn't really like it. And then I start making fun of you for not liking the food I cooked. Like that says more about me. I, I think it would be wise of the higher ups Disney to, to go to Lucasfilm and say, Hey, if, if fans don't like the movie you made, like don't take to Twitter and start ridiculing them for it. Because one, it hurts the bottom line. That's always important to a big company. But like, you, it, it's like a weird abandonment of the whole concept of the customer's always right. Yep. Which really, to me, that the whole customer's always right is more of a... It's really a guideline on just how to respectfully interact with a customer. Yep. Or a consumer, or a client, or what have you. Um, and... I really think that there are a lot of things that Disney can do to rebuild that relationship. It's, and it, some of it's just like the 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 memed picture of Ryan Johnson holding up the sticky note saying your Snoke your Snoke theory sucks to uh, Pablo Hidalgo's comment on that one YouTuber and kind of ridiculing him for his because he had a very emotional reaction when Luke appeared on screen 
and Pablo Hidalgo made some comment on it. It essentially says, like, why are you being a baby? Something of, to that nature, I believe. And it's just like, that's not how you treat... One, it's just not how you treat other people. And two, it's it's just not how you treat the people who you are trying to make something for. Uh, but there's, a, there's actually... There's a bit more to talk on the interactions between Disney and the fan base. Some, some, I saw this in a video, like a commentary video on just Disney Star Wars. And it was a guy named Eckert Slatter complaining about the, the, the new star, like newer Star Wars comics and what they're doing. Cause some of it was very unethical stuff. This guy had made some like custom 3d print 3d printable uh files you know for 3d printers so that he could print them off for his own thing and then he for his own tabletop game or whatever and he then made the files open source for anyone to use and these i guess his 3d printer is one of the ones that uses the plastic frames so you can make several copies connected to the same frame and Mm -hmm. then you cut the things off the frame which would naturally leave a little stub that is also part of the file. And then you file that stub off the actual 3D piece. Mm-hmm. Well, people started noticing these ships in the official you know, new Star Wars comics that had these weird little misshapen things off the side of them or on the front of them. And they're like, what's this? And then it was discovered that these images in the comic were one for one taken from this guy's custom models. Yo. And they had just, they had found his files. They took it. And the problem was that they didn't credit him because the artwork and the design were all him. And they didn't say like, oh, we found these ships are the design of so-and-so like at the end of the comic or whatever. So they just took it and then they played it off as their own. And this apparently seems to be an issue with Disney as a whole because i saw this other commentary this person had made custom models like his own custom model of uh totems from disney's tiki room in disneyland and he had his like maker's stamp on the base of them and he found the model in the Disneyland souvenir shop one to one you even flip it over and take (laughs) off Disney's peel and there's his stamp damn and Disney has this and there's the argument to be made that well if it's a one to one like replica of a totem from the Tiki Room well then it's Disney's property because it's it's their it's it's their tiki room. It's yeah, their totem. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the issue comes in when somebody has made has gone to the trouble and put in the work and the effort to create the file, create the model, paint it, all that stuff, and they've done some things to kind of make it unique to them. And then Disney comes in and takes it and doesn't give credit. It mm-hmm. comes off as very unethical. Oh yeah, because uh, it's. If it's if it's open source, then it's technically fine, and they're not doing anything technically wrong. But it's just like, 
that's just not the way you do things. Right. Right. It's just like, it's just not quite right. So I think this is the kind of thing, I don't think this has been as egregious of a thing within the fan base in, in the sense that it's alienated a lot of fans, but yes. it has certainly upset enough people that it's made some waves within the fan. Hmm. And there are, th- I think, because there are a lot of really good, and I think we should do an episode on this particular thing because there are a lot of really good fan films out there. Oh, there really are. There are a lot. There will I, definitely be an episode because that, like the the, yeah. the Darth Maul one that we have talked about before, is great. Is great. It, it's kind of campy because it's you know paid out of pocket, produced. Well, by yeah, it's they're all going to be that way. You can't. Some have... of them are really well produced uh, and are not campy, but some of them, but the campiness is kind of the charm, especially when you think about Palpatine in Episode Three. Very very campy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the attempt on my life has left me scarred. I just and like deformed. the. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do it without like hearing a reference to it. But just like when he, I am the Senate, and then he goes, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he jumps across the, the room. The it's like just, screech that he does. So, so, if Disney were to look, you know, create some criteria, and say meet these standards, meet these criteria. And based on popular vote, popular poll, whatever, we'll canonize some of these fan films. Uh, especially the ones that are like totally standalone, that are completely disconnected with the rest of the main Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Because a lot of them are about original characters, original planets, uh, etc. Uh, credit. Artists who create custom ship designs, because there are also comics where they're these are not these are totally brand new original designs, but Disney has come in and co-opted those designs mm. and not credited God, the artists. That and sucks. It's, they're literally taking original fan art and then claiming it as their own because, well, the Star Wars brand, therefore we have because like that is a. That, there's there's such an opportunity there to gain so much respect from your fans by taking the fan the fan created content, making it canon, and giving those fans credit. That is that is a huge props in their favor, and yet they decide to go about it in a way that just right completely destroys their. Like I think it would be a very smart a very smart move on Disney's part. To start incorporating these fan projects, the fan art, it, it like have that certain qual level of quality in yeah, your yeah, criteria, yeah. but it would go so far in this. This feels this idea feels very Dave Filoni. It does. It, it it just show the fans that you actually care about them and their ideas. Well, I think I think Dave Filoni has done a good job about this, and I think this is what gives me a little bit of hope for the future. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name. Rosario Dawson. Oh, yeah. As Ahsoka was a fan cast years ago. Live action Ahsoka was fan casted for Rosario Dawson. And then here we are a few years later and we see her pop up on screen and it's Rosario Dawson cast as Ahsoka. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow, Dave Filoni actually listened and fan casted. That's why uh, there was another one. That was, I think, Benedict Cumberbatch as Thrawn is a is a hopeful fan cast as well as Mino Musod, and I know I'm I am butchering that name, 
uh, the guy that played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin, people want him to play Ezra. And I think he could be really good. Anyway, yeah. Oh, you know what? Examples, I, an example of Dave Filoni actually listening to the fans. I, I There was one other thing I completely forgot. That is the reinstitution of LucasArts. Yes. I don't know. LucasArts was the video game. like It was like the in-house Lucasfilms video game studio for Star Wars games. Disney was like, yeah, but we can't make money that way. So there was we're a... gonna do. We're gonna disband it Ugh. and license all the game development out to third-party companies and studios. Not not only disband LucasArts, but stop production on every single project that was in development, including Star Wars thirteen thirteen, a nearly finished game covering Boba Fett in his young adult years. In an uncharted style video game on level thirteen thirteen of Coruscant, there was released gameplay footage at E three, and they canceled it. Yep, because they wanted to start. Because they wanted microtransactions in Battlefront. Basically, yeah. <sighs> now, granted, or at least that's where now the, granted, that's where it ended up. Now, but. granted, we have Jedi Fallen Order. Which is great. It is. But Jedi Fallen Order alone does not make up for what we lost. There was a rumored Darth Maul game in production. Uh, There was a rumored um, bringing back... Because Boba Fett was was in production. Uh, There were talks of clone. There was a... I can't remember what it was. I think it was was a Republic Commando remake or... uh, Like revisiting that concept of Republic Commando. And then they just... Yeah. Completely abandon all of it. 1313 is out there. Nearly finished. And it just needs to be. Just sitting doing nothing. Yep. This is... Ugh. Star Wars, it's like Pokemon. Pokemon is almost completely in-house. And it is the most valuable franchise IP in history. Star Wars, I think, has the potential to outdo Pokemon. And I think it can do it in-house because it has that name power. If it was all done in-house, if it was done well, if it was done with the fans in mind, it would generate its own money. Disney's approach is business-like. Their approach is, we're going to do this because this will make more money. But what they're not realizing, because we're licensing things out and we'll make royalties. It, it, it comes down, a friend of mine talks about this kind of thing, just in general. Yeah. And he, he it, can be, it can be summed up, greed ends up making you less money in the long run. Yep. Because all these successful multi-billion dollar franchises... They were not created with the intent of making money. Mm-hmm. They were created because the creators had a good idea or the, an idea they thought was good and would be fun. And they wanted to make it because they enjoyed making it. Uh, we're going to clip this in five years when we're the biggest Star Wars podcast on the planet. And we're going to play this again and be like, guys, back in the day, we weren't we weren't out for the money. We were just in it. Just to have fun and talk about Star Wars. And yet here we are. 
in our mansion. Us all get out. <laughs> We've sold out so many times. We're owned by Disney at this point. <laughs> oh, never. <laughs> never. So next time, uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk more in depth about like the the actual content of Star Wars, the creation of content, and how to approach creating new Star Wars stories. Yeah, because. I, there's a huge, huge issue, I think, and a lot to be said about Disney's, like, unwavering focus on the Empire era. Mm-hmm. When you have, as I said earlier, you got over 25,000 years of history, of galactic history. Why are they focusing on a 30-year period? Yeah. Uh, so, our next episode, we'll, I'll get into that, and it'll be a more, a more like, lore-focused episode yeah i think we can go ahead and uh go ahead and talk about just to give the give the fans something to look forward to um oh god damn the uh the episode following that if everything goes to plan will be a what we're going to call a beginner's guide to star wars and what we're going to do is we're going to have a guest on who knows just enough about star wars to know where to ask questions but is completely ignorant of the extended lore and by extended lore i mean anything past the movies and so it'll be a chance to for us to just answer some questions some of them simple some of them real deep into the into the lore and such uh so that'll be a fun one to look forward to um we are first guest appearance on the podcast so yeah keep an eye out for that i think it's gonna be fun i really like answering star wars questions and just like yeah explaining to somebody who doesn't... Oh, you like explaining. I couldn't tell. Thank you. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, this week, we do not have a KOTOR update, as I have not played KOTOR since we last recorded. Um, I haven't even picked it up. I am sorry to let you all down. I know that you're all counting on that update every single episode. Um, but yeah, we will We will be back next time. I believe we're going to go... We're going to go quite a quite a while without recording... The um, the beginner's guide. I'm just talking about until the next time we record in general, and so I it gives me it gives me some time. Oh yeah, it'll be about to a week. get some to get some Kotor time in, which will be good. Have have some more updates, and now we are now at the point in Kotor where it's all new to me, so I'll actually be paying attention, <laughs> and I may actually learn some things. That's always fun about games is when you replay them and you kind of just zone out as you play through it. Yeah, because you know when you've started it three times and gotten to the same point three times and put it down at that point three times and you here you are on your fourth go or third go i can't even remember at this point anyway guys that's all we're gonna have for today we will catch you in the next episode we'll see ya all right